Welcome to the Galway Races new six-episode podcast series, Let's Be Having You Galway, relaying stories from inside and outside the parade ring. Paul Collins here. It's been my honour to chat to racing royalty and lifelong fans alike. Coming up this week, Horrick Joyce explains the unexpected advantages of the GAA's new split season. Not many had mobile phones there. But uh, this particular player was an all-star from 98, had a phone, dropped a text to John O'Said, he said, oh, I'm, I'm caught working tonight, I won't make the training. But he was in the races, obviously. And then John O rings him straight away, like, at seven o'clock, like, and he says, where are you? So I'm working, he says, I'm caught late. But as he answered the phone, of course, the antenna, the winner all right, winner all right from the first race came up and got caught out to dry. So then we got the brunt of it in training again that night. We hear from two generations of Galway Racecourse management. I love the way he's got in there about all the buildings that he built in Galway during his time. So it was all there ready to go when when, when I arrived. Thanks thanks for that. We've done we've done a few things since. Um... Weren't you lucky that they were? <laughs> and the air of anticipation around the 2023 staging of the Galway races. See them coming up the hill, like you know, and everyone shouting and I think it's great the first day where before the first race starts, and the big cheer, everybody. This is it for the week, you know. Take it off. It's the Let's Be Having You Galway podcast, and we're delighted to have in studio today, Porrick Joyce, All Star, All Ireland winner, Connacht champion current manager of the Galway senior football team and racing fan, Porrick. Yep, that's... Uh, <laughs> keep going there, yeah. It's nice for him to get the racing You haven't paid me enough, unfortunately, <laughs> for that, Porrick. Sounded great. Um, but you're a big fan of racing? Yeah, I would be, Paul, yeah. I've followed horse racing most of my life, yeah. Um, sometimes to the detriment of my pocket, but um, yeah, I would follow it, yeah. I often remember meeting your father, Paddy Joyce, God rest him out and around the parade ring here and maybe the pair of you on occasion. He was a big racing fan too, God rest him. He would, yeah. He would have always took us as, as kids to the racing festival, you know, but younger type, we would have spent our time the far side of the track in the, in the fun fair probably more than in on the betting ring. But yeah, we used to go with the family good few years. A good crack with them used to always go, yeah. Big, big, big into them, yeah. And would you have a pilgrimage then, everyone into the car over, or would yourself and the old lad, or what way did no, it No, we'd all be bailing in the car, we'd be, we'd be getting the Toblerones on the way out, and we'd be fighting over them on the way home the car, the, the six of us, so we used to have great crack as kids and that, yeah. And of course, during your playing career then, I presume the Galway races were a bit of a distraction at times, I'm sure. Yeah, there was, there was um, detrimental going to the Galway races in the playing career, because if you were at the goal races that meant you were nearly out of the championship or else you shouldn't have been at them when you should have been training. So we've had a couple of close calls over the years, been at the races, you know, but um, look, at it's a fantastic week. And again, like it's it's very hard to be an inter-county player at that years ago because um, all your buddies were getting dressed up and heading racing, not alone for a day, but for a full week. And you were missing the crack because you couldn't go any day, really. Um, you normally had a ride on semi-final or something to look forward to. But in, in my later career, I spent a lot of time racing, so it didn't go... Obviously, that's the downside of it was, was that you'd get to racing, but you you weren't going as well as you should be on the football side of it. It's funny enough, that particular point isn't one I heard mentioned at the GA's annual congress in favour <laughs> of the condensed championship. Yeah, that's that's the plus of the condensed championship now is that it's over before the goal races. So to, to our detriment last year, of course, we lost the final. We came into the race and, and uh, had to come in on the Monday for there was a gig on with Galway, but um, turned out to be a long day for me in a way because... Had loads of experts telling me what I should and shouldn't have done the day before. But look, 
you, you'll come across that. But you know, it's a great week. The lads, our lads, last last year, for example, they, they had them spend most of the week there and kind of drown their sorrows in as much as they could, and then they got away for a few days, which is great. A lot of people are complaining about the championship as, as such, but it needed something to to change. And I think everyone that's given out about it should hold reserve on it until the thing is over and then look back at it and see was it a good or bad thing. But, you know, like we were years complaining about the system the way it was. Now we've changed it, we're still complaining. So let's let's give it a go and let's see in, at the end of the year how it was turned out or what, what's, what needs tweaking, what doesn't, what does. So tell us about PJ personnel and managing Galway senior footballers and minding the family and trying to squeeze in a few days at the races. I mean, there's a lot going on there. Yeah, there's a lot going on, Paul. We set up um, PJ Personnel in 2010, Seth and Tracy. So uh, it's a business, it's a recruitment company in construction recruitment. Tracy, De- your lovely wife. Lovely wife, yeah. So um, we basically d- deal with deal with all the kind of the main contractors in the country for, for, for building, which again, a lot of them will be involved in GA heads. And um, unsurprisingly, there's an awful lot of them actually from AO that will be involved in companies and you're kind of going into them looking for work off them and they're kind of looking at you as if you have two heads thinking, uh, yeah, we'll listen to them, but you won't give you any work or we'll give you a little bit of work. And uh, I remember when I was in my playing days, you know, so certain people from my old in, in the building companies would say to me, yeah, I wish you well on Sunday. I hope you play well and I hope you get bet. You know, but um, it's good. It's good. Look at the company's going well. It's set up right now about 10, 11 years. So it's busy, um, very, very busy. We had, we'd have numerous staff, maybe 17 or 18 staff in the office directly. And we would have probably Anthem from over 300 to 350 working on the sites for around the place. Fluctuates up and down a little bit, but uh, it's busy, yeah. But look at again, I've good staff in the office there looking after it. So taking a little bit of a backseat from that because the football side of it is busy as well to keep everything, how you know. And how are you managing time-wise then? Because football management, inter-county management at the level you guys are at is a big commitment. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's a huge, huge time constraint, Paul. Um, obviously, when you play, like all you have to worry about when you play is yourself and to make sure that you're right and that um, your body's in shape. But whereas when I went to management, I'm obviously came in very raw and very kind of naive. I only, I'd only spent a year with the 20s and the job came up. So look, at I basically had to put my name in for the hatch at all. But to myself and the, and, and, and the late, great Liam Kearns, two of us were going to the Winford, you know. And we'd been it's still hard to believe he's gone. Hard to believe, yeah. Hard to believe, like a lovely, lovely, lovely man. man, gentleman, like and brilliant GM, and like you know, we'd, we'd we'd actually obviously both gone for the same job and all that kind of stuff. But look, at he was we'd a great crack in the corridor before we went into interviews, and then we were compared notes about the county board when we came out and that kind of stuff. But um, we don't have time to get into that. No, no unfortunately, <laughs> no. But no, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you. I know he won't mind me telling this, Liam. A really funny thing he said. He said um, to the county board, going, you know, came to the final closing statements. I think his was like. You have a Formula One car here, he says, in the team, and you're going to put the novice driver in charge of it. He says, I'm more experienced than that man. But we had a good laugh about it later on when he told me. But uh, gentleman, yeah, in fairness to him. It's radically different now than even when you were playing. Yeah, 100%. I think football has changed a lot. Um, obviously, different things over time has changed, changed things, you know, like those Toronto tree changes, the, the, the blanket defence stuff, you know, come back. Then... To me, then Stephen Cluxton probably on his own changed football a lot as well. Kicking the ball out has now becoming, you know, nearly obsessed with the quarterback of kicking the ball out. Whereas we like to kick it long, and at least if we give it away long, if we give it away long, we're not giving away a goal chance straight away. And but it is becoming a bit more like a basketball type thing where it's possession, possession based, and it's easier to mind the ball, hold the ball. It's not pretty to watch at times. Don't get me wrong. I, I sometimes I don't like watching it, but you have no choice in the games you play. Like you have to, you know, and that's the challenge is to become better tactically that you can break down these systems and inject more pace into the game and all that kind of stuff but again if you've got 
good natural players inside, you know, the quicker they get the ball, the better because I was always told like nothing move faster on the pitch than the football. So we do try to move it, but it is it is hard and it's frustrating. I know I can see people concerns and frustrations and watching the games, but I totally understand them. But again, we don't we coach the guys to try and break this down. We don't go try to coach to be the way we are, but it's just if you, if you're not if you, if you try and go and play fancy football nowadays and play all attack and stuff, you're going to going to lose. You're going to get you're going to get beat. Like, and when you were playing, did the Galway races ever catch you out because you weren't benefiting from a condensed GA football championship oh, at that I, stage? I played plenty of time. It was it was one year in particular. I think it was at, I think it was two thousand. We had won the Connacht final on the Sunday. And sure, of course, lads will go racing on Monday evening. It's great. Like, so I think we got probably in the bridge bar and Troom to Dave Cohen just to run a great bus that time. He still does. On the Monday evening, you get into the races, you know, and be back to the bridge afterwards. But we, I think we stayed in town that night and then we're training on the Tuesday night. <clears throat> so we didn't go Tuesday, but by God, did we suffer in the training when O'Mahony heard we were racing. So at that time, we did like 14 400 meter runs or 14 150s, whatever it was, you know, massive runs. Or, sorry, 14 200s or 15 150s, I forget. And normally, if you did one on the Tuesday, you'd have Thursday kind of easy enough. So nearly, nearly died in training Tuesday night. Then we decided, right, lads, we'll go again training. We'll go again because we weren't playing for about this that stage. I think about f- about four weeks off that stage, like for an Ireland semi final. And um, so we'd racing again Wednesday, and he got wind of it that we were racing, and we went training Thursday. He nearly killed us, but. There was one particular player missing, and I won't, I won't hang out to dry. But he didn't show up for the training on Thursday. On Thursday, but he just that time like phones like as well. You see, after realised where <clears throat> we only got like we got mobile phones as an all star prize in ninety eight. Like you know, so there were only not many had mobile phones. Like, but uh, this particular player was an all star of ninety eight. Had a phone, dropped a text to John. I said he said, "Oh, I'm I'm caught working tonight. I won't be. I won't. I won't make the training." But he was in the races, obviously. And then John rings him straight away, like at seven o'clock like and he says where are you so i'm working he says, i'm caught late but as he answered the phone of course the antenna of the winner all right winner all right from the first race came up and got caught out to dry so then we got the brunt of it in training again that night really hard so session the all-star player in question is he in the studio right now <laughs> no he's not he's not <laughs> he was at training suffering paul oh stop and you had a brilliant career, Aussie rules in Australia and everything else. But in my innocence, I was only starting off reporting in Today FM when you won your All-Ireland. And in Toome, which I still think is one of the great homecomings of the 2001 All-Ireland winning team, in my innocence, I thought the Saw Doctors were after writing a song in your honour. The Joy's Country Cayley Band, which rang out across Toome Stadium on that famous night 22 years ago. Yeah, imagine that long ago. Yeah, I, I thought as well. I didn't think that though, Paul, that was the song for me that time. But I think a lot of people thought the same as you. But no, look at the boys or the Leo and the lads that always be around the town there. Great, they're great guys, great supporters of the GA. Like, and they just they, they landed in that time in the, in the pubs in Tume. <clears throat> Going back to that, you know, you'd have Joe you know, really funny. Like, the day after matches, that time was great crack, you know. And the Monday club, as it called it at the time, you'd go in and Sean Purcell would walk into you and he'd sit down, buy you a drink, and wish you well. And Leo being playing songs with great, great crack that time. But yeah, the homecomings we could do have another one now again because it's a long time ago, as you say. And even this year, in the Connacht final this year, we had to go and do the 25 year wave from 98. And it just it felt really old. You know, my, my young lad did it, Charlie asked him to do it. But it's just, it just tells you how time is flying, flown by, you know. Incredible, incredible. And you are dabbling in ownership. Yeah, well, we bought a couple of horses there. Um, Lately, well, last couple of years, say, but you no know, years ago I was involved with Joanna Morgan, the trainer. We had a couple of um, shares and tails and legs and two horses called Gigolo and Joad. So, <clears throat> a really good night, one night down in Ballarobe races, I think, was um, Joad, where 
Joanna says, yeah, he'll win tonight. Like, you know, she knew he was in good form. So we ha- we actually had lost the club championship match backdoor system the day before. Milltown, our, our, our club club main that I was involved with, John Concannon, Cahill Sheridan, a few of them fellas, they had beaten Cordofin, which is a big surprise. So we're all in the bridge bar. We were drowning our sorrows. They were celebrating. And I said, lads, this horse is going tonight in Ben Robe. So we got to bust down. And we go, sure, bring all the money we had in our pocket down with us. Back the horse. The horse wins. We great day out, you know. Wow. And, uh, then in the last couple of years, I think I've I, I bought a couple of horses through Michael O'Callaghan that I was involved with before. So I got two horses there with him. Um, one was Paz Joy called after my father. And then I called another one after the kids, Charlie, Ava and Jody called Chavajad. And Ch- Chavajad won for us in Ballon in Roscommon um, in a race. You know, I wouldn't, wouldn't be huge in them, but just a bit of crack at the time. But um, Paz Joy turned out not to be the horse he was supposed to be. And... I was told then lately that Chavajad, you know, let him go from Callahan's, like, even though even though they spent, like, what, two years training, that he wasn't great, like, which... Because he was here last year, at very soon after your All-Ireland disappointment, shall we say, and there was a very sad photo of you, I think, up in the in the stand, looking yeah, on. Yeah, he, he ran, like, in, in Galway, and so the, he came, he's a, the lad said he came closer to last than he did to first, like, but... Anyways, we moved, I moved him on from, from, from Callahan's yard, on to, um, to Johnny Murtis, like because I was saying to myself, like I wouldn't spend a year and a half training a footballer if I knew he wasn't going to be any good. But anyways, we, he goes into Johnny, and Johnny had him for a while, did all he could with him, had him in Dundalk, and Johnny's a great Johnny's a great fellow, like, you know, and really honest and famous. And so Johnny said to me, look, it doesn't look like there's much more in him. He said he's hit the roof of the ceiling, maybe move him on, get a few pounds. So basically give him away for about 10% of the price I paid for him. So I turned around, sitting at home last Friday, <laughs> I, seen, I seen he was running in Leprestown and I said to myself surely to God he'd probably win this race in Leprestown he was 50 to 1 so out of I just took a few pounds on him just for the crack and absolutely hosed up like you know and I was thinking like this is horse racing you know like it's just it's great fun it can be great like but again the horses are like humans I understand there's good days and bad days but of course I rang Johnny straight away so Johnny says what's that man doing with the horse that you couldn't do you know <laughs> at least you made 100 euro back oh, I wouldn't say it was 100 Paul but it's <laughs> <laughs> I could do it a bit more now after, after two years training and, and buying them you could do it a bit more but. and is there a way to judge a winner in Galway like I mean obviously it's a very demanding track you have a hill this that and the other I mean how do you pick your winners here as long uh, as you're not buying them ah uh, yeah look it's, it's, it's Galway like every horse that runs in Galway that's the big thing as I found over the years like this what, what runs there there's going to be maybe 800 horses running in Galway every year but there's only only one come in a race but the, every horse that runs in Galway is primed to win in Galway because it's just the big, it's the big local track. Everyone, you'll always hear every year when you hand up. You know, there's local trainers, there's local jockeys, or there's local syndicates that win races. You see them jumping around the place having the crack, and you know it's very, very hard to get winners in Galway. And the people that do are very, very lucky to get them. Yeah. Well, listen, it's great having you in here, Park, and I'm sure, you know, it's it's one of those festivals and one of those sporting events that's great to have on your doorstep, isn't it? Oh, it's great. Like even you know, you wondered years ago, as I said there to, to Michael outside, you know, why they didn't do it twice a year so good, but it'd probably take away from the event of it and if it was twice a year. But you know, normally when we were kids, like you see racing coming along, you know, you had to have the hay home and the turf done because you wouldn't enjoy the race if you couldn't, you know, and the football was up or down depending on where you are. But it's a brilliant festival and just it brings such income into Galway. And even in my game, like in the building trade, you know, I'd be talking to people and they're always, it's the builders' holidays coincide with it as well, where it's, you know, the two weeks are off and it's just, it's a great buzz around the place. And even lads, like a lot of lads in Galway here, my friends of mine would book their holidays around. So the place basically nearly shuts down and fellas go in and they get dressed up day in, day out. And 
you know, they enjoy the, the four or five days or something or whatever they do, you know. Normally by Friday they're getting a bit tired and maybe Saturday something becomes kind of the family days or the real diehards, which is, but it's a brilliant week. Have you a tip for surviving the week in Galway? Oh, I think go go hard Monday, pull the handbrake a little bit Tuesday, Wednesday and go hard again Thursday or Friday. That's what we used to do. But old age now is catching up. So I'd say moderation, Paul, you know yourself. And come here, will you have a representative on the track? Have you any, will you have an entry this year, no, do you think? definitely not this year, no. I'm, I'm hands-free this year, so I'm not the left, no. Well, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you, as always, Porik. Thanks Cheers, for coming Paul. in. Thank you. Two generations of the Maloney family have steered the Ballybridge ship in recent years. From not long in County Limerick, John Maloney, and the current manager, Michael Maloney. Time to find out the answers to simple questions like, who the best manager was? Welcome, Michael Maloney. 2023, can't wait for it. Um, You know, I suppose this is what we do. This is what we live for year in, year out. You know, it comes around once a year. We spend two, three years planning it, but once the, the previous festival is over, it's all eyes on on, on the next one. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a great occasion. We we start with a very small team. There's, there's 10 full-time people in the in the racetrack, uh, you know, re- really good people that everything starts from. And we build on from there, you know, from kind of January, February, March, we start taking on people and uh, it, it ramps up and so many contractors and, so many people involved in the races, people that come back year in, year out, you know, from lighting house or plumbers or electricians, you know, there's, there's people that have been taking that Galway race week off for 40, 50 years of their main job because they just want to come up and, and work in Valley Brish and, and, and be part of the atmosphere and the occasion up there. And it is a, it's, it's always a great occasion. I think, you know, the, the Monday is always a, a fantastic day. I think post COVID, the, the most thing I was looking forward to, to last year on the, on the Monday was just opening the gates and see the people coming through again. And I think it was it was emotional for everybody involved because we'd had, had such a, a difficult couple of years and just to see the excitement being back in Ballybrit and, and 2022 was, I, I think, the best festival we, we've, we've had yet. It was just the atmosphere was amazing. Everybody was in great form. The weather was brilliant. So we're hoping for more of the same again this year. We made a lot of changes last year around the race course, improved the facilities and I think people really appreciated it and, and that's all there again this year uh, plus more and um you know, I can't wait to have people back and there's going to be more new things to see and it's going to be a, another great year. People just love to be part of it. The horse racing is great. The industry is a massive support. You know, we have all the top trainers, jockeys. They love coming to Galway. Why do you think? I suppose, look, it's testament over to the years of, of the work that's been done in the race course. We've been able to improve the, the prize money uh, significantly over the last couple of years. You know, we've the plate and the hurdle worth astronomical amount of monies, 270000 each. I think the ground conditions has improved. Jerry Broderick is our foreman up there and, you know, a huge amount of investment has been put in by the race committee over the last, you know, 25 years and, and the ground then in the last maybe 10, 15 years and, you know, drainage program. And I think, you know, Jerry and his team, you know, come the Monday, the races, you walk out onto that track, it's like a carpet, you know, it hasn't been used since October. And the timing it, as well is great, though, for maybe the floating race score, because you're in the middle of school holidays, maybe you're coming into the end of school holidays and people are saying, right, we want to have a right good cut now before the kids go back to school. Yeah, in, indeed. Look, I, I think racing in general is in, in, in a very good place at the moment. You know, we have some 
really good festivals going in Ireland and you know there's a strong draw to it and I, you know I love seeing the likes of you know Ballon Robe Sligo getting big crowds because that means Kilbegan Kilbegan don't forget Kilbegan Paddy Dunick will be getting on to me you never mention me <laughs> there you know once those courses are, are going well and, and getting big in big attendances you know it generally turns into you know people wanting to, to, to come to Galway and I think you know we've probably changed over the years as well and and you know while racing is central to to Galway and and is you know part and parcel and everything of what we do uh it's become more and more of a festival so it's not just attracting the the race and punter it's you know the people that want to come down for the music for the crack for the atmosphere you know we're so lucky to be so close to such a great city as well you know the the party continues in town the hotels and pubs everybody gets involved you know it's taxis a great restaurants campus for all that a really great Everything really works, doesn't it? You're yeah, not too far just, from anything. Every, everything, everything works, and you know, I, I suppose everybody in Galway looks forward to the races. The, you know, the the summer calendar in Galway, people things happen in Galway either before or after race week. You know, that's that's how the the calendar works in Galway, and that that's always been the 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 case. So, you know, just talking to people even in around the city in the last couple of days, you know, people are so looking forward to it. Businesses are getting prepared, ready for it. Uh, it's a highlight of everybody's of everybody's summer, really. Can I ask you one or two highlights this year before we kind of look at how it's changed over the years? Look, I I I suppose the the racing is the is always the highlight. You know, uh, I think if we saw Huey who won the the Galway Plate last year and and obviously owned by Shark or trained by Shark Hannon gone on to do some amazing things around the world win the American Grand National and uh, you know I was speaking to to Shark a couple of weeks ago and he's certainly aiming to come back to the to the Galway play it again and I think that 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 story that race and story captured the the public imagination and uh you know, I was talking to Shark that day to see, you know, would they bring Hewick back even just to parade around Galway because I think people would love to see him. So to have him back and competing in the Galway place this year would be I, I I think amazing I think it would draw draw a huge crowd we've so much going off on off course as well we've introduction of a somewhat of a, a dodgy scenario I'll have to blame our sales and marketing manager if this <laughs> one goes wrong but uh, if it goes right I'll take the credit for it uh, but we're, we're introducing a, a kiss cam at Galway races this oh. year so you want to be careful who you're standing beside <laughs> Very good. Um, th- we'll, that's nearly a podcast in itself, so we'll park that for the minute, uh, Michael. I want to ask you, how do you think the 2023 festival stacks up against, say, years ago? That's a different, dif- difficult one, I suppose. You know, it is. So take 20 years ago. Oh, it's it's changed so much. I suppose I, I. Are you doing a better job, maybe, than was the case 20 years ago? Uh, I suppose I moved. I moved on to the race course when I was four years of age. So I've I've been around it a, a long time, and um, it's. I think everything is so drastically different. I think, you know, the one thing that hasn't changed is the is the the crack and the atmosphere and the the entertainment and and the getting together. That's that's definitely the same, but. Outside of that, from twenty years ago, it's 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 uh, vastly different in many ways. <laughs> well, there's one way to find out whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, or an improvement from twenty years ago. Now I'm in trouble. <laughs> you're in trouble now because joining us in studio is John Maloney, the former manager of Galway Racecourse between 1989 and 2015, and father of Michael Maloney. John, welcome. Thank you. Is your son making a hames of the whole setup or is he doing a good job or what way do you read it at the minute? 
Well, I think he's doing an excellent job. He's biased uh, now on that one. Um, <laughs> I don't think much has changed uh, in one way uh, since 20 years ago because there were still maybe 50 races, 50 winners, and a lot of people made money and a lot of people enjoyed themselves. So I think that's the big thing about Galway, that people love coming to Galway. Now, there are, the facilities have changed uh, an awful lot since uh, that 20 years ago or maybe a little bit longer. I must take responsibility for a lot of it myself. But um, I think our committee, the Galway Race Committee, were an excellent body of people down through the years. And I had the pleasure of working with um, Lord Killannon, uh, who was on a member of our committee at the time, our great chairman, Paddy Ryan, who had terrific foresight to push the whole thing forward and start to redevelop the race course. And it went on from there in um, 1991. I think we built our um, the Carvery building, which was known as, and uh, we went on to build uh, two stands, two underpasses, wear room, and all that. So the facilities have improved uh, in the meantime. So I think that is a, a big testament to what Galway is. You had uh, a heritage, John, yourself, of... of- being involved in the horse industry. Yes, uh, my father was a breeder of horses and he, he was a member of the racing board in the Turf Club. So I had sort of a good knowledge of, of racing when I joined the team in Tipperary Racecourse in uh, 1986 and I was there for three years and I was lucky enough to be appointed manager of Galway Racecourse by then Paddy Ryan. And, um, was that a big step moving from... Limerick Junction then to Galway? It was a huge step. It was a great learning curve and a lot of things went on, I suppose. And, uh, but we worked hard at it and um, it was day and night at that stage. We didn't have too many staff. And um, so we had to, it was a big learning curve, yes. What was that like? Well, I suppose I came in sort of um, really knowing a little bit about racing. But I had a good grounding in Tipperary and I see how the, the backroom team had worked there. And um, But it was a huge step up uh, when I arrived in Galway. And uh, Jer- Michael mentioned there that uh, Jerry Broderick uh, is our foreman now. Was his dad before him, Tom Broderick, was our foreman. And Tom was a wonderful help to me that uh, when I r- joined here. And uh, he was a wonderful man to care the ground. And we'd always be running a bit late. And Thomas' favourite saying was, uh, we'll be ready by five o'clock on Monday evening. And uh, no doubt it always happened and the first race always took part in time. I mean, there's so much to kind of organise. Obviously, you have the committees that you're trying to maybe bring with you on the journey. You've got your staff, you've got the riders, you've got the punters. I mean, is it easy to manage all that? Well, I suppose it was, but a few little things, I suppose, like uh, that you always, to manage the committee was a big thing and to keep them going in the right direction. And I think one of my favourite things was always was to make sure the chairman's wife was happy uh, because uh, it was easy after that. uh, And um, we had a great ladies committee and uh, they used to work very hard as well. uh, And the the committee itself. And uh, as I say, Tom Roderick was our foreman. Uh, a lady called Mrs. Gillen was in our, ran our office, really. And uh, we had a very small team at the time. And that time when I started, the Galway Plate was the main uh, focus of the week. And that was run on, on the Wednesday. And once that was over, it was easy to, to run the, the next three days. 
And then it went to a seven-day meeting and the it, work increased. It, it went on. Uh, as I said, we had uh, six days when I arrived. It went in 99, I think. It went on to seven days. So we were just wondering what were we going to do about uh, people going to Mass and coming to the races on the same day. So we decided that Father Breen, who was the racing priest at the time, uh, would say Mass in the parade ring, and that has continued. So any time I ever met Father Breen in Cheltenham in March, he'd say, am I all okay for the gig again this year? And um, he, he really uh, enjoyed coming to Galway. Maybe a confession box might be good as well to get absolution at the end of the week. That could be worth looking at, Michael, down the line for a new <laughs> initiative, perhaps. And Michael, then you got a handy gig. Sure, the father was in there. You were parachuted in, some would observe. But then when we look into it a bit deeper, you had actually been working and doing your apprenticeship abroad before you were appointed to Galway Races. So he didn't just walk into the job just because the father was there. Yeah, I love the way he's got in there about all the buildings that he built in Galway during his time. So it was all there ready to go when 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 I arrived. Thanks thanks for that. We've done we've done a few things since um weren't you lucky that they were? <laughs> yeah, well, we might be struggling now. I, me- I remember when I arrived there was a a, a journalist came down and uh, she was talking about uh, nepotism in the race course and my father quickly pointed out that we've never heard of the word and we doesn't don't know what it means, but uh, it's definitely alive and well in Galway if you take it that John mentioned there, uh, you know, in the early days of his career, uh, you had uh, Paddy Ryan, who was chairman of the race committee. John was the the manager, and Tom Broderick was the 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 foreman. And and as we sit here now, uh, Anthony Ryan, who was Paddy Ryan's son, is the chairman. I'm obviously John's son as the manager, and Jerry Broderick, uh, who is Tom's son, is the is the the foreman. So. There's probably not too many businesses uh, around the, the the country that can can claim that you know to have. I think it's but it's great to see. You but know, you earned that, your colours. To be fair to you, you did have to go abroad. Yeah, yeah, no. your colours in Plumpton Racecourse. Yeah, no, no. But it's great to see that tradition continue. But yeah, look, yeah. I you know we didn't we didn't just walk in. Um, and where are you leaving? Annette Walsh or Annette Ferrick, who is the kingpin now in the office. And her dad used to do the cutting of the grass and rolling. And one day he came in to me and he said, would you have any job for a little girl in of mine? And um, Annette uh, got the job as an assistant in the office and she's still there now. And I won't, I'd hate to say how long ago that was. Well, John, I'm glad she's you're still running the place. <laughs> I'm glad you're here today because the young fella could be going all sorts of directions, which are keeping them <laughs> under control here, which is good. But um, no, yeah, look, I, I, I obviously, I was around the race course for, for a long time and went off then to, to college in Minute. I did a little bit of time in working for Horse Race in Ireland. Came back to Galway then, did my accountancy training in a, in a good practice in, in, in Galway, DC Gilligan, as they're, as they're now known. And uh, went to a hotel then after that, was financial controller there for a while, uh, the Connacht uh, Hospitality Group, they're a great partner of ours uh, at, at the moment. And I suppose, you know, having grown up around the race course and, you know, family so involved in it, you know, my brother Eamon is, is big into the racing side of things in terms of breeding as well. And uh, I always, uh, I just loved working in the race course when I was younger. You know, I started working there when I was 10 or 11, cutting the lawns. And so, you know, as time... He didn't tell you that he used to have a little enterprise on, on the side. No, uh, I kept that quiet. Yeah. And um, that time, the marquee men, the toad people, RT, used to arrive on the race course about maybe a month before the races. So Michael decided that he'd have a, an on-site shop. 
So himself and his cousin Seamus Ryan used to cycle around the race course every day at lunchtime and sell cans and potatoes and all to all the different people. So I think that's where he got his um, entrepreneurial. We had to, we had we had to make a few quid somewhere. But yeah, no, that that those were the memories, you know, of of being so involved in it. And I suppose I loved being part of the people coming to the races and you know worked on the turnstiles for for many years and. I suppose I, you know, I was working then in the hotel and always wanted to to get back into it. And I and I just felt that, you know, to to do something else and to do it somewhere else was probably a a good route. So I went over to the to the UK originally as a financial controller in uh, Plumpton Racecourse down the south of London and had a great time there and was eventually uh, appointed the the CEO there and and was a number of years there and then. And one day it was actually out of the blue. I, I don't think many people knew John was 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 planning on on retiring from 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 Galway Racecourse at the time. I don't think anybody really knew. I I didn't know either until I got a call one day from Terry Cunningham, uh, who was the chairman of the the racecourse then, and uh, he asked me. He 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 was a man that used to regularly be over in London, and he just said, "Would you pop into me for lunch one day in London?" And uh, he just asked them, would I be interested in, in interviewing for the job? So there was a long process there afterwards. But, uh, you know, and it did was... you ring the father mm-hmm. then and said, you never told me you left that job. What's going on? Yeah, well, <laughs> his mother didn't know he was going to Plumpton either. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, look, lads, I, it's all coming out in the wash now, lads. I, I, had a, I had a great four years in the UK. I, I went for two and and, you know, stayed for four or five and. I suppose, you know, I, I had planned to probably stay over there a bit longer. As I say, I didn't think that John was retiring. And, I, you know, I, in fairness, I was very young at the time. I never expected to to be coming back to Galway. It wasn't even, didn't cross my mind, delighted to be coming back and had the opportunity to to, to get going in, in, in Galway and continue to, I suppose, what John and the committee had, had done to date. And, 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 you know, he's claiming for, for all the facilities. I, we, we have done one or, few, one or two things uh, since then. We have... Uh, a new champagne building that's uh, built the, nice. the Wilson Lynch building. Good yeah, place pe- to pe- observe. People yep. still call it the champagne tent. I don't get. Uh, that was designed before you came. <laughs> Jesus, we're in trouble now. What does he looking for the job back? Is he? <laughs> and was it a big decision, John, to go? I had decided that once I reached sixty-five, that I would retire. It was a great place to work, but it was. Becoming a very, very, for a 65-year-old, was becoming a fairly... Oh, you're fresh. Uh, you're top, not looking anywhere uh, top, like it. Uh, uh, gig. I was thinking about it last night, you know, even in terms of the the racing side of things, the house that we, we live in is on the race course as well. And, you know, the phone in the office was the, was the same phone that used to connect up to the house. So every day when the girls left the office, Annette probably, they used to have to switch the phone up to the up to the house. And it was like, it's, it reminded me of the Stoller story about leaving on the 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 immersion in Ireland if the if the phone wasn't switched up from the office there used to be chaos and you'd have to go back down to check it and make sure the phone was switched up and then I you know coming up to the races and if your mother wasn't there to answer it yeah well that's that's what I was going to say you know at at half six in in the morning John had begun off to to walk the course to see what the ground was and and the phone would start ringing and you could hear my mother trying to get out of bed to answer the phone to the to the trainers to to give them the latest ground description and he wouldn't be back yet so he she was probably making it up based on what it was from the day before hold on now I'll, have a go. I'll pull back the curtains here now and have a good look uh, no, and, that's, and that's what John Francis King used to say the first time I ever put on the, these headphones that we've on us now it was an interview in Galway Bay 
and the guy who was called John Francis King, I think that they, they used to do it. And uh, and he, one of the last questions he'd always asked me was, John, what's the weather forecast? And he'd say, and I was pulled back the curtain to see what he's doing outside. <laughs> Way back, um, all the traffic came across the track and the people then came uh, across the track in front of the stands as well to get into the race course. And one evening, uh, just before the first race, uh, the buses were coming in and it had rained a lot and one of the buses got stuck on the the track. The horses were going to the down for the first race and I think uh, I think it was Kevin Manning had a near uh, accident with, a, with, with crashing into a bus. So would have uh, been a great photo. It was the same thing. We used to have to have the people on the hunt, uh, people on horseback, to make sure that to clear the track of the people going across in front of the stands before the horses would go out for the first race. So, like all those um, developments, helped to to run the place and made it much more easier. Would it be fair to say one of the most successful trainers? in your time, John, and probably still to this day, was Dermot Weld. I mean, he was known as the master of Ballybrit. Yeah, he was. And uh, I suppose and he still is. Uh, well, I suppose it maybe there is other people have come up on the uh, along the way. Uh, but uh, Dermot Weld was uh, rode, uh, I think Spanner was one of his first uh, winning rides in Ireland or in, in Galway, and he had trained the winner the, the previous year. And I was watching him there not so long ago talking about all the, the, the horses, good horses that went on and won derbies even. Uh, the likes of Grey Swallow, Go and Go, went to the Belmont and all the different horses that went on. And I think one year it was some, since 2010 that he'd trained 16 winners in the one week. And it was just well, well, well. But uh, now I think uh, Willie Mullins has probably taken over the mantle. Aidan O'Brien brings all his good two-year-olds here and to, uh, to, to run. And we have all the leading trainers, I think, turned up. Noel Mead, of course, G- the J.P. McManus has had some wonderful um, winners here in Galway Plates and Galway Hurls and um, down through the years. And uh, I think John Kiley was the last, maybe one of the last men to train a Galway Plate winner for him. And they had a, a wonderful success in Punchestown and in Cheltenham this year together. I want to ask you about the track itself. Do you have to water the track or do you get pressure from trainers to water the track? What's the story there? Ah, I think, you know, probably that's changed over the years as well. Uh, another thing John introduced in Galway was uh, the Briggs system, which is the, the system that we use to water the track. I think, was it the first place in Ireland that, that put in a Briggs watering system? Probably was, yeah. 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 Uh, what does that involve? So that's a system that we have for, I suppose, just providing, you know, a good quality irrigation to, to the racetrack itself. You know, we can put it out. Uh, in in terms of you know number of mills in different areas of the track, it's a huge manpower. Could you change facility. the going at the press of a button? Uh, well, you you change the going with a lot of hard work from from the guys on track. You know they could be there till two o'clock at night and, and again in at half four in the morning. Uh, we were do we did it last year during race week. We we watered most nights uh, during the weekend. I suppose the expectation of ground has changed over the years. And look, that's something that we're, you know, we're always aiming to provide. I think I think with ground, I don't think you'll ever please everybody, but it's trying to to, to please the majority on it. And, and, and I think, you know, as I said, Jerry and his team do a great job with getting it right. And we do have, thank God, touched wood in the last couple of years, provided consistent ground. And, you know, that's that's our aim is to provide consistent ground across the track and, and have it have it nice and ready and give everybody the best opportunity. 
Was there any highlight that stands out above all else for you in your time between 1989 and 2015? The one thing for me was to stand out in front of the stand and to hear the crowd roar at a winner coming up for either the Galway Plate or the Galway Hurl. That would put the hair standing on your neck and it was unbelievable to see a huge crowd of people out in front of the stands and they're cheering on their winner and to see that you were after putting on something that in the people were enjoying. You're going to ask me the same, and I, you know, that's the one. The one I wasn't I, actually. The, the one that will go on. You're, I'm, I'm there now. That's the one I always go say. On, and go and, on, go and on. the reason being, I think it's, you know, it's John's last few words there. When when you see that happening, and and you know the work that has gone into it, and you you know, you know the the small team that it has started for, and the, from and the effort that everybody has put in. And, you know, it's it's such a tradition and, and our family involvement over the years and, you know, so many people that have had family involvement over the years and, and are leading on a tradition. So to stand there and watch that happening and watch the crowd roar at home, it just, that's the one thing that gives me pride every year to say, you know, we've done it again for another year and, and, and that's the thing that keeps us going till the next year. And the one thing I'd say to the pair of you is this, I've never seen the atmosphere in the parade ring like it where you have people at the start of their career, in the middle of their career and maybe at the end of their career sharing the same joy in equal measure. It's incredible, isn't it? Yes, and I suppose uh, the one memory I have about you at the Galway oh race is, is that uh, about maybe two hours after the last race that um, I would be standing around the grounds and that you would be just coming out of the champagne tent uh, having after having a good day at the races. God, you must be confusing me with another good-looking <laughs> lad from Tipperary, John. I, I don't think so. <laughs> the Let's Be Having You Galway podcast in studio right now. Eileen Cooley. Welcome, Eileen. Thank you very much. Delighted to be asked and here. From Castlegar. Yes. Home of the Connollys. Home of the Connollys. And the Cooleys. And the Cooleys. And the Grogans. And you're a lifelong Galway races fan. Lifelong since I would say I was maybe five, six or seven. My father used to bring us to the race course. At that time, we only had two days racing. So we would. You didn't need as much stamina. No. <laughs> but we're going ever since. My father loved the races as well, you know. So it was the highlight. Even in Castlegar, everything stopped for race week. Or we only had two days that time, but everything had to be done before the races cleaning, every, no matter what, with your house, everything had to be just right. And you're only at the back of the track, so you didn't have traffic or any issues like that? No traffic. We walked up, it was called Raftery Sporing at the time, and up across and came out where Digital is now, then up, as we call it, the Mooning. Walked up the Mooning and into, not where the stand is, but we were in the other side where all the hurdy-gurdies were. That seems to be a common theme that... People come into Galway races at a young age, but their memories are of the picnics or the chair planes or the merry-go-rounds. Chair planes, the uh, swinging boats and the merry-go-rounds and a few bets in between down in the tote and with the bookies. And then you'd always run up to the rails when the race was coming around, make sure you got a good view. You love the horses. I love horses. I love race horses. I think they're fascinating. Creatures. Beautiful animals. The most beautiful animals you could look at, I think. They're so, I don't know what it is about them. I just love them, love them. Even if I see a horse anywhere, I just go over talking to it. I love them. I talk away to a horse and 
you know, even platter me in if I could, if they'd let me. <laughs> depending on the personality yeah, of the depending horse. Depending on the personality you. of the horse, yeah. And are you rushing down then to the winning post when the races are on? Rushing down from the stand. Now we go to the stand, of course, because my husband himself, we always go every day as well. Well, six days out of seven, I go and he goes five days out of seven. So straight away after the race, up to the stand for every race, back down to the winning post and have a look at them coming in. I love to see them coming in for second and third. The noise and the speed is incredible to witness up close, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's and the power. And the power. My God, they passed the stand there at some speed. And to see them coming up the hill, like, you know, and everyone shouting and roaring. I think it's great the first day where, before the first race starts, and the big cheer, everybody, this is it for the week, you know, take it off. You were telling me that out of a trip to Oromore after racing, you struck up a lifelong friendship. Yes. Every evening after the races, years ago, we used to call in Torrenmore on the way home and there was always music and dancing. Great fun afterwards. So we're in a pub in Torrenmore. It was the Boston Arms that time. Uh, I think it's the Porterhouse now. And we met up with a Kerry couple who were on their honeymoon in Galway for the races. And a load of Kerry friends with them that were there. So we met up with them and just struck up with them and we're friends ever since. And they come up for the races every year and to stay in our house. This must be 35 years ago. Wow. And we go down to Kerry. They have one daughter, so we were down for her christening. We were down for her communion and confirmation. And she's now 25. All out of that night? All out of that night. And your parents had a big impact on lighting the flame of your interests. Yes, my father and my mother, but particularly my father, he loved the races. So much so that when they got married, they postponed their honeymoon for a couple of days in order to get the races in first. Then they went on their honeymoon and the races were over. That's how much it means to them. And maybe that's where we got it to. Thank you so much for sharing your Galway races stories, Annie. Thank you very much. Lovely it's meeting you. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Create your own story this year at Ballybrit. The 2023 Galway races commence on July 31st and run to August 6th. Seven unmissable days. To secure your ticket, go to galwayraces.com. You don't want to miss it. See you there.